so uh, uh, last Sunday we started off a brand new series on the book of Galatians. Uh, so we, there are six chapters in the book of Galatians, and so we're going to spend one chapter every week uh, and, and go through this uh, a particular book. And so last week we spent our time in the book of Galatians chapter 1. We saw the foundation for which Paul was actually writing this particular letter. Uh, we, we tried to make sure that uh, uh, as Paul was writing, or, or the reason for why Paul had to write this particular uh, letter. Let me just make sure I have my timer on. Okay, uh, so, so Paul writes this letter because Paul was an apostle sent of God, and so he goes, preaches the gospel, and he plants churches in different places. And one of those regions was this region of Galatia. And so there were several churches that Paul planted. Now, after he plants and he goes back and, and, and does his work in other places, he comes to know of a report that says that there were another group of people known as the Judaizers who were coming and preaching a different gospel. So uh, they were uh, 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 preaching the, what Paul says, it is a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. So according to Paul, if there is a different version of the gospel that you're listening to, then it is not the good news at all. And so what Paul tries to make sure that we understand is what we are getting is not just a, a uh, updated version of the Old Testament. What we are getting is not just a updated uh, a version of the law. What Paul says is, whatever you learned from the, from the Old Testament, whatever you have been practicing for now, uh, till now, the gospel, Jesus, brings in a good news that is radically different from everything that you have learned so far. Right? And then he says, not only that, so he says, everything that you've learned so far, this is completely brand new. And then he goes on and makes another claim, another statement, and he says, if you hear anything else in the days to come, guess what? That's not the good news either. He says, from eternity past to eternity future, this is the only gospel. This is the only good news. That's the claim that Paul is making. He says, in fact, he says, if I come back and preach to you another gospel, let me be cursed. He says, if another person comes and deliberately preaches another gospel to you, let him be cursed. In fact, he goes to the extent of saying, if an angel from heaven comes and visits you and preaches another gospel, then the one I'm preaching to you, let that angel be cursed as well. Right? So Paul is extremely serious about the gospel and extremely serious about this particular gospel that he's preaching and that you don't get a different version of the gospel that he's preaching. And so what happens is last week, again, I told you for lack of time, we're not going to go through every single verse in the chapter, but we're going to look at the main point. And so uh, we stopped at actually verse, we went Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 through 10, and I hope uh, you went back home and, and read the remainder of the chapter. And so if you read the remainder of the chapter, you see that Paul starts defending himself regarding the authority that he has, regarding the place that he has in the body of Christ or in, in, in being called. Because one of the tactics that the Judaizers were using at this time where they would come to the churches of Galatia and say you know Paul he's not really an apostle 
You know, he's, he's, he, he doesn't have the right to preach the gospel. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so they would try to discredit what Paul was preaching. And so now, so it, from the middle of chapter 1 to the middle of chapter 2, what Paul does is he kind of gives them a history lesson about his life. And he lets them know that this is not something that I just came up with in the middle of the night. This is not something that I just came up with and, and I'm trying to do this on my own strength. But he says, this is something that has been ordained of the Lord and that is the reason why I am doing this, okay? So let's pick that up in, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1. It says, Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. Now, let me say this. What you're about to read in this couple of uh, uh, verses, he's going to talk about different meetings that he's had in the past. Now, when you read this, you might be tempted to think, oh, this probably took place, you know, a bit, uh, uh, you know, in, during the last month or the last six weeks or last six months or whatever. He's talking about events that spans over a 15 year period. Okay. Now, if you really want to know the history, what he's talking about here is written in detail in Acts chapter 15. Okay. So if you read Acts chapter 15 and then read Galatians 2, you'll understand the meetings that he's referring to in this particular chapter. So here he says, Verse 2, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church or those who considered to be the apostles of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all the efforts, uh, all my efforts had been wasted and I was running my race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised even though he was a Gentile. Okay, so let's understand what is happening here. So Paul, he has been called by God and now he calls himself an apostle, right? Now, who were the apostles until Paul became an apostle? The only people that were considered apostles were the, uh, were the people that actually lived and worked with Jesus, the disciples, right? So, you know, the apostle Peter, apostle James, right? Those were the apostles. Now, they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they lived with Jesus, they ministered with Jesus, and then God or, or Jesus gives them the responsibility of carrying the mission of the church, and then he goes on to heaven. So they were considered the apostles. Paul was not one of them. And so now the Judaizers are using that and saying, don't listen to this guy because he was not ordained. Don't listen to this guy because he's not a true apostle. So what Paul is saying is, once I received this revelation from God, which he talked about in chapter one, he said, I was ordained of the Lord. God picked me, God chose me. He revealed the gospel to me. And he says, 14 years later, he goes back to Jerusalem. And the reason he goes back, he says, because the Lord told me to. So he goes back to Jerusalem to do what? So that he can have a private meeting with the apostles. So he's having a private meeting with Peter and all the church leaders, which are the apostles. And then he's saying, hey, guys, check this out. This is the gospel that I'm preaching. Am I doing the right thing? Are we in agreement? And what does he say? The church leaders were in agreement. So what is happening is the apostles, like, like Peter and the rest of the disciples, they learned the gospel directly from Jesus in the flesh. Okay? Because they lived with him. And so they learned the gospel directly with Jesus in the flesh. Paul was not with them. 
But the source of where Paul learned his gospel is also Jesus from chapter 1. And so what we're understanding is the disciples learned the gospel directly in the flesh through Jesus. Paul learns it also through Jesus, but he learned it by revelation knowledge. Okay? He learned it by revelation knowledge, not because he, was, he lived with Jesus like the disciples, but he was picked by God, and God revealed the gospel to him, and so he knew the same things that the disciples knew because he got it from the same source that the disciples got. And he says, they agreed to such a degree regarding my gospel and, and, or, or the gospel that I preach that they saw Titus who is traveling with me. They knew that he was a Gentile, which means he was not a Jew, and yet they did not ask that he be circumcised. Right? So what were the Judaizers saying? The Judaizers were saying, if you believe in Jesus, that is good, but that's not enough. Right? They were saying, now you need to be circumcised or you need to start keeping the Jewish traditions, the Mosaic law or the, uh, 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 all the, um, you know, the dietary laws and the customary laws. All of those things, you need to keep them and then you will be saved. And Paul is saying, no, 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 this is not what happened. I went to the apostles. They were in agreement with what I was preaching. In fact, so much in agreement, they did not even demand that my uh, uh, friend Titus needed to get uh, uh, be circumcised. So that, that, that's what he's saying. Now, verse 4. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations but we refuse to give in to them for even a single moment we wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you you see what's happening i mean this is like a movie that is taking place you know so 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 paul is preaching in his meetings and the judaizers plan to send in spies into the meeting as if they are saved people Right? They come in to check out the liberty with which they are living. So what is happening? They're coming into the meetings to check and say, what is this guy preaching? Wait, after the meeting, are they eating pork? After the meeting, are they eating crabs? After the meeting, are they eating any shrimp or any prawns? That's what they're checking. And, so, and, and, and it actually goes to the extent, you know, I'm not trying to be crude in any way, but the, the actual history and, and uh, um, uh, commentary say, with men, they would actually check if certain men were circumcised. That's the degree to which this went. Right? And so, 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 and Paul says, but we did not even budge in to their demands, not even for a moment. Why? He says, so that we can preserve the truth of the gospel. So in Paul's mind, Paul is saying, if I gave in to even one of their demands... I would not be preserving the gospel for the coming generations. Right? I would not be preserving the gospel for the coming generations. So Paul, in the mind of Paul, he says, no more being uh, in the bondage of the traditions. No more being in the bondage of the law. But he says, we have freedom in Christ, and I was not going to budge into that even for a moment because I wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel for you or for the coming generations. Verse 6, and the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their re reputation of, as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. 
I mean, this, that's a bold statement for Paul to make. What he's saying is, I went to the leaders, like Peter and the rest of the apostles. I talked with them. They had nothing to add to what I was saying. But, he says, but by the way, he says, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me. Their position in the church made no difference to me. Why? He's not saying that in an arrogant way. He's not saying I don't care about leadership. He's not saying I don't care about their apostleship. He's not saying I don't care about their status in the church. What he's saying is, compared to what God has told me, I don't care. Are you understanding that? So he's not advocating for you being rebellious to leadership. What he's advocating for, for example, the Bible says honor your father and mother, right? We all know that. Now, but if there ever comes a point where you have to choose between honoring your father and mother or honoring the word of God, which one do you choose? Hopefully you choose the word of God, right? Over honoring your father and mother. Why? Because in comparison, your father and mother mean nothing in comparison to God. And so what Paul is saying is, I respect their apostleship. I respect that they're godly leaders and, and they have their positions, but it made no difference to me because he was so confident in whom God had called him to be and he was so confident in the gospel that he was preaching that was revealed to him by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's keep going. And then he says, instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching it to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. So what he's saying is, again, because he's writing to these people who might have been confused in Galatia, and he's saying, listen, God, all right, so they're, they're, he's saying, we're not fighting with one another. We're in complete harmony. I know what I'm supposed to do. They know what they're supposed to do. I recognize their, the call of God on their life, and they recognize the call of God on my life. So we're not fighting against each other. We're on the same team, and we're, pr we're trying to win this game by doing what I'm supposed to do so that they can do what they're supposed to do, all right? And then he goes on to say, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. So what he's, again, he's letting them know, I'm on their same level. They're not, he's not saying, so that I can work for them. He's saying, I'm working with them. I'm on the same level. I'm a co-worker. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work to the Jews. You see, they're, 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 uh, they're, they're making clear who they're supposed to preach and who uh, the other guys are supposed to preach to. And then he says, their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. So their only suggestion was nothing to do with the gospel message that he was preaching. Their only suggestion was, while you preach the gospel, hey, don't, by the way, don't forget the poor. Make sure you're helping the poor as well when you preach the gospel. And he says, I've always done that, and I was eager to continue to do that. So in other words, what Paul is, is making clear is, hey, 
Whatever the Judaizers are telling you, don't be fooled by what they're saying. I have the approval of, of the rest of the apostles as well. In fact, not only do I have the approval, what I'm preaching and what they're preaching is the absolute same thing. And so don't let anyone fool you any longer. Okay, so that's what Paul is saying. Now, now he changes tone. Now he gets into a different place in this particular chapter. Now what, let, let's start seeing from verse 11. Now, by the way, uh, most of you know this, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was one big letter, and so it's just broken down for us to make easy reference, okay? So Paul did not say, you know, okay, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and he didn't write it that way, okay? So, so that's why some of the thoughts that start off in one chapter continue into another chapter, and then they stop, and then he goes on to a new thought, okay? So now he's going on to a new thought. He's done defending himself. He's done letting people know. God has called me. This is the gospel that I'm preaching. Not only has God called me, God has called the other apostles as well. And not only that, what they are preaching and what I'm preaching is the absolute same gospel. We're in complete, total harmony in what we are preaching. There is no difference at all. Okay? Now, he goes on to verse uh, uh, 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Okay? Now we're having some issues. Now another drama starts off. Because an apostle is correcting another apostle. And we're going to see he does this very publicly in front of people. Right? And so uh, 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 you, you, you talk about church politics. This is probably where it probably started off. Right? And so he, he says because of what he did was very wrong. So, so what was it that that Peter did that was so wrong where Paul had to publicly address another apostle, right? Let's see. In verse 12, he says, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers, right? Who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. You see, what was happening was, what, what, why Paul was upset with Peter is, when he first came there, he was eating with the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. The people that were not circumcised, the people that were not following all the Jewish traditions and all the laws and the dietary laws and everything else that came with it. So he was eating with them, enjoying the good food and having fun. All of a sudden, he sees another party coming in. When he sees another party coming in, he changes the way he behaves. All of a sudden, he moves tables and he stops sitting with the Gentiles and he starts sitting with the Jews. He starts sitting with the people that say, you have to keep the law. To be saved. He starts sitting and eating with the people that say, you've got to keep the Jewish traditions in order to be saved. And that gets Paul upset. He gets so upset. So, so this is not about, I heard your message, uh, Peter. That was a terrible message. No, no, no. It's not about what he preached. It's about what he did. So in other words, what's happening is Paul is saying, you're not just preaching the gospel when you stand on the pulpit. He's saying you're preaching the gospel in everything that you do, Peter. 
He got upset because, see, and this is what I want us to understand. I don't want you to think you've understood the gospel because you, you know a couple of verses and you think, oh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know the gospel, pastor. You know, I, I repeated the prayer, so I got saved. No, no, no. The question is, has the gospel permeated your very being to such a degree that the way you even relate to other people shows the gospel? That's the question. Because it's not that Peter doesn't know the gospel, right? He knows it. This is one of the apostles that is preaching the gospel to the other Jews. And yet, we see that when the other party came in, he fell into the peer pressure. All of a sudden, the, the, the great apostle Peter became a 16-year-old girl. Falling into peer pressure. Well, what, what are my friends going to think? I can't, I, can't hang, I can't hang out with this crowd. I need to hang out with the cool crowd. And then he starts acting and behaving differently. And Peter says, wait, what you did was very wrong. Because what he continues to say, because what's happening here is, see, the Gentiles, by the, by the Jewish people, and especially by the Judaizers, were looked down upon. They were people that, 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 that were not, they were considered as people who are not on their level. See, we might not talk about Jews. We might not talk about uh, people that are circumcised or uncircumcised. In India, what we talk about is caste. So we say, I'm from this caste, and so I can't sit with these people. Right? Or, or uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know the, the way you treat someone because of their caste. Whether or not you give them, uh, 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 um, you know, a place to rent in your home. Whether or not you give them a job based on their caste. That's the stuff that Paul is talking about. Or what happens if, if you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, you say, I have Jesus in my heart, and then one of your children or your grandchildren or one of your uh, 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 relatives needs to get married and, and the proposals start coming in and, oh, the girl looks good or the boy has a good job, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you come down and say, oh, but, but, but what, what, what caste? Oh, too bad. Man, everything was so good until that cast. And then you skip and you move on to another person. And Paul would say, brother, sister, what you are doing is very wrong, is what Paul's answer would be to you. He would say, you don't understand the gospel. What Paul would say is, you don't understand what being a new creation in Christ is truly about. What Paul would say is, you don't understand that every single one of us were in the same boat sinking in, with our sin. And that the caste or the color of your skin or the education that you have or don't have, the money that you have or don't have, the car in which you drive or don't drive, does not dictate whether you feel superior or inferior to other people. And here's the thing, by the way, it's not just for the people who feel superior over other people. If you are a believer and you feel inferior to someone else because of their caste or because of their color, because of their education, because of the amount of money they have, even if you feel inferior, you don't understand the gospel. It's not just for the people who look down upon. It's even for the people who look up towards other people and say, oh, they are so great. Oh, they're cast. Oh, they're money or whatever it is. You don't understand the gospel. Because what Jesus has done is he leveled the playing field for everyone. And now that's why when you are in Christ, 
He says there's no bond nor free, no male nor female. Why? He's saying there is absolutely no difference in the spirit of who you are. Now, uh, uh, see, again, don't confuse that with leadership, authority, and all of those things. You know, you don't go to your boss and say, you and I are on the same level. No, 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 that, that, that's not what he's talking about. You're getting it, right? You don't go to the police officer and say, you and I are on the same level, look at the Bible. No, 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 you're nothing in front of him. He's the one that has been given the authority by the government, you don't have that authority by the government, right? But as far as who we are in him, as far as who we are in the sight of God, as far as how you're going to treat your neighbor, as far as how you're going to treat another person, another human being, if the way you treat another human being is based on the color of their skin, based on the country they're from, based on their ethnicity, based on their caste or religion or anything else, you don't understand the gospel. And so Paul gets very serious about that. And then he goes on to say, in, in verse 13, he says, as a result of Peter's actions, right? As a result, he says, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Barnabas, a person who was in ministry, called of God, preaching the gospel with Paul. He got led astray because a man, a man or an apostle named Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. Here's the question. Every one of you that, have, that are in places of leadership, are you doing things in your life that are causing other people to go astray because of what they see in you? And maybe you're not a leader in the church, maybe you're not a leader, uh, or, or maybe you don't have the title of a manager or CEO in your office, but... If you're a parent, if you're a mother, if you're a father, do your actions lead your children astray? If you're an uncle, if you're an aunt, right? If you have nephews, if you have niece, do your actions cause them to be led astray from the things that God has for their lives? Are you, do you act hip hypocritically? Do you act one way on a Sunday and then act different from Monday through Saturday? Do you act one way with your friends in church and then do you act differently with your friends in college? Do you act one way with the people in the church and do you act differently with the people in the office? Paul would say, man, you don't understand the gospel because what you're doing is if you understood the gospel, you wouldn't try to act on Sunday. You wouldn't try to act for different people. You would just live out your life every single day. You would live out your life expressing the gospel every single day. So whether you're in the office, whether you're in a prayer meeting, whether you're in, uh, uh, at the mall, uh, uh, hanging out with friends or going to a movie or going out for a drive or, or coming to church on a Sunday evening, doesn't matter, your behavior is still the same. Why? Because everywhere you go, you're expressing the gospel through your life. Let's continue. And then he goes on to say, um, where were we? All right, verse 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message. See, so being hypocritical is not following the truth of the gospel message. So acting one way in church and acting different at home is not the truth of the gospel. Right? Um... I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you a Jew by birth, 
have discarded the Jewish law and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? Paul just called out another apostle right in front of every single person there. And he says, Peter, you don't follow these traditions in your life. Why are you asking them to do that? You watch movies, why are you telling them not to watch movies? You wear jeans, why are you telling them not to wear jeans? You wear makeup, why are you telling them not to wear makeup? See, we might not have issues with, oh, don't eat at this table and eat at this table, don't eat this. See, we don't fight over that, right, in the church today. We're not fighting over pork. We're not fighting over uh, prawns and crabs. But we still fight over the clothes that you wear. We still fight over the makeup on a woman's face. We still fight over these things. And Paul says, you're, you're, you're fighting over those things? You're, you're trying to fight over who wears a white dress and who doesn't wear a white dress? You're going to fight over the fact that a guy came to church with a black shirt on and you think that makes them unholy? You think because they wore a black shirt or jeans and you think they can't go before God, somehow they became unholy? That's what Paul is saying here. Right? And then he goes on to say, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Verse 15. Now, let me, let me make sure you, you understand. When he says you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, don't think that if you are Jewish that you're not a sinner. Why he's saying that is because some of those people at that time thought were superior to the others, right? So those are the sinful people. Their judgmental tone and attitude that they had, those sinners, those Gentiles, we don't want to have anything to do with them kind of attitude. And so he's saying, you, so, in, so in reference to that, he's, he uses that tone, or he uses the phrase, he says, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners, that's why it's in quotes, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So what is Paul trying to say here? He says, Peter... Listen to me very carefully. You know very clearly that the way you have a relationship with God, the way you were made right with God was simply by faith. You did not become an apostle, Peter, because of all the good things that you did. Remember all the foolish things that you did with Jesus? He's not saying that, but that's what he's saying. Because if it was left up to our good works, if it was left up to our righteous works, Peter, you and I would not have been apostles. Do you think Paul would qualify when he was Saul to be called an apostle Paul? There's no way. With all the crazy things that Peter did when he was with Jesus, do you think he was, the, he was qualified and say, oh, Peter is the, the genius of my team. Let me make him an apostle. Do you think that 
Jesus had that kind of thought process to make him an apostle? No. So he's saying, you and I know we didn't keep the law. You and I know we failed at this miserably. You and I know the only way we can be made right with God is by having faith in Jesus, not faith in the law or not faith in what we can do for God. And so he says, you and I know we were not made right with God by, faith, uh, uh, by our works, but only by faith. No one is made right with God by keeping or obeying the law. And that's the thing that I want us to get this, this uh, uh, evening. See, this, this, this is called uh, uh, the, the, the doctrine of justification by faith. And Martin Luther, who we talked about last week, Martin Luther said that the justification of faith, this doctrine is so, uh, uh, um, is the core of the Christian faith that if you lose this doctrine, you lose everything else. He says, if you lose this one point about the Christian faith, that you and I have been justified by faith alone, then he says, you've lost everything else. Why? Because if you get to the point, if you twist the gospel even a little bit and say, it is by faith plus a little bit of your work, he says, you've missed it. Because if you say okay to that, he says, then you'll have to change every other doctrine that comes up. Because then every other doctrine will be by your effort, by your strength. And it is not by our effort. It is not by our strength. It is a gift of God that has been freely given to us. And that's why it is such good news. You see, for centuries and millennia, the, 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 the humanity as a whole, it was trying to reach up to God and it was failing miserably. And that's why he goes on to say, even in the, in the last verse of the, of the chapter, it says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. See, when you get to the point, even a little bit in your mind, when you say, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to fast and pray, and then God will speak to me. Sounds very good, right? Sounds very noble. Sounds very righteous. Paul would say, no, 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 you're missing it. God's not going to speak to you because you fast and pray. You're going to listen to him because you fast and pray, because you're getting rid of the distractions. God is speaking to you every single day. You and I are the ones that are not paying attention. So, so you have a testimony say, uh, a Pastor, I, uh, I fasted for seven days and, and then, you know, uh, I, I got the job or, I, you know, uh, uh, God answered my prayer or God spoke to me. No, no, no. You fasting and praying was an act of faith and that released or you got you to receive what grace has provided and given for you. See, don't ever think your action caused God to react. Your action is a response to what God has already done. That's the crux of the matter. That's the truth of the gospel. Don't ever think that what you have done is causing God to respond to you. If, if you think that's the case, you will be waiting for a very long time for God to respond to you. See, when we say that, 
we don't truly understand the extent of, of God's uh, uh, you know, holiness and righteousness and who he truly is. What we are saying is, three days of fasting and praying can get me access to the great God Almighty. What we're saying is, 21 days of reading my Bible without a break will get me access to the great God Almighty. Let's rewind our memory a little bit to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, do you remember how the priest would go to the holies of holies? Into the presence of God? Do you know what kind of access the people had into the presence of God? There was one person, not the entire nation, that went into the holies of holies. Now this is what happened. That one person was not righteous because he kept the law. On that one day, he was so meticulously careful that he did not even do one single thing wrong. He would wash his clothes, wash himself several times, go through the ceremonial process, and then carefully and fearfully walk in to the tent. And even when he did that, guess what? They used to have tie a rope around his feet. Why? Because if that guy ends up being dead, nobody's going for him. Nobody's sending an ambulance for him. They're going to pull him out. See, when you talk about God, when you say God answered my prayer, I think sometimes when you use the word God, I think we forget who we're talking about. See, w when you say God just answered my prayers, when you say, oh, I, I, you know, I'm going to fast and God, then God will talk to me, you know what you're, you know what you're saying? You're saying you fasting for three days will cause the great God Almighty to stop everything that is going on and he's going to talk to you. Because you fasted for three days. Mm -mm. What we need to understand is he is so holy, he's so righteous, he's so far, far beyond our comprehension, so far, far beyond our wildest dreams in his magnificence, in his holiness, in his righteousness, that you and I are, he is unapproachable to us. On your best day, he's unapproachable to you. Unapproachable. That's why people, when, when, uh, when, when the Bible talks about our good works, it refers to it as filthy rags. Why? Not because good works are trash, but if you're using good works to come to God, if you're using good works to earn your place in Him, to earn your relationship with Him, then the writer says, you don't understand, all of your good works are like trash. He says they're like dung. He compares it to toilet paper. He says, so, so in other words, you, if you think your good work of reading the Bible is what is giving you access, Paul would say, you reading the Bible is dung. Am I saying stop reading your Bible? No. What I'm saying is if you think that's what's giving you access, you've missed it. Are you getting my point? That's not what's giving you access. What is giving you access is His grace, is the blood that has been shed for you, it's the mercy of God Almighty. 
So in the Old Testament, the, 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 the holiest person, the, 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 the priest would go in and there's a chance he could die. He goes in fear and with trembling. Now the same God Almighty, without any of his magnificence being reduced, without any of his holiness being reduced, without any of his righteousness being reduced, he comes down to have a relationship with you and me. Now think about this. So he comes down to our level. That's the Christmas story. Emmanuel, God with us. He comes down to our level and now we say, let me wake up to your level. Now for us to say, I will earn my relationship with you. That's like you, that, that, if you're an extremely wealthy person, you know, you pick up a, a, a kid on the street that, that has no father, no mother, no family, no nothing. And you're the world's richest person. You pick them off the street and you make them an heir for your inheritance. And then they come to you and say, uh, uh, Dad, I'm going to earn my way to this relationship. You think that's the reason why they have a relationship? You think that's the reason why that person made him an heir to his inheritance? No. It has nothing to do with the boy. It has everything to do with the man that decided to call him his heir. Now, out of that place, he can serve his father. But to say, I'm going to get good grades in my exams, that's what will cause me to have a good relationship with my father, or that's what will cause me to have a relationship with my father, that's foolish. Whether you pass or fail, he's called you his own. Whether you get a job or not, he said you're his heir. And for us to go back and say, I'm going to make it my way or I'm going to do this with my own strength. And Paul says, no, that's like filthy rags in comparison. So what Paul would say is, understand who you are already in Christ. Now, out of that understanding, now go do good works. Why? Because your father would do good works. You're his children. Now love one another. Why? Because that's what your father would do. Now forgive other people even when they hurt you. Why? That's, that's what he's done for you. Now give to the poor. Why? So that I can have a good relationship with the Father? No, no, no. You have a good relationship with the Father. You give to the poor because that's what your Father would do. You pray an hour a day, two hours a day, whatever you want. Why? Because that's going to cause him to have a relationship with you? No. He's already decided to have a relationship with you. That's going to cause you to have fellowship with him. It's, it's, it's not about... See, and this, this is the gospel. If, if you don't... If it is twisted even to a small degree, Paul would say you're missing it. Because it, it, even if you miss it to a small degree, what's happening is, he says, you're going into religion. He says, even if you would miss it to a small degree, you're, you're thinking like the, the, the rest of the, the heathen. Because that's how the heathen behave. 
That's how the heathen do. That's why the heathen can go to the temple or go to their religious place and do what they need to do. When they come out, they live lives like there is no God. And when they have to get something done in their life, that's when they bring forth the sacrifice. That's when they do something because they say, okay, if I do this for God, then God will do this for me. And Paul says, hey, listen, you're a believer, you're a child of God, you have a relationship with him, and here's the gospel. It's not you do this and God does this, it's God done everything. It's done. Believe and be justified. Believe and be healed. Believe and be prosperous. Believe and walk in wisdom. Believe and be sanctified. It is all about you believing. That's why, that's why Jesus says, to him that believeth, all things are possible. But in other words, if you, if, you, if, you, if you go on to the other side, what? If you don't believe, then all those things are not possible. So everything that the gospel has for you, it is not because of what you do for him, but it is because of what he has done for you. And the moment we begin to recognize that in our life, the moment we say, God, I'm thank you, I'm thankful. You're the great I am, and yet you want to have a relationship with me. See, now you say, when you realize who he truly is, when you truly understand the gospel, when you meditate on this long enough, you know, what's going to happen in your mind is, wait, he wants to have a relationship with me. And see, for, for many, of, many Christians, that hasn't sunk in. I'll say, the great I am wants to have a relationship with you. See, it's, it's not, let me try to have a relationship. It's, wait a minute. He wants to have a relationship with me. Now, when you get that into your heart, now you go pray. When you get that into your heart, wait, okay. It's, 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 it's joy to read the Bible now. Why? Wait, the, the great I am has written this for me. The great I am has done this for me. And you start reading the Bible. But before that, it's, let me read my Bible so that God can be happy. And if he's happy, then he might do something for me. Let me pray. And that's why when we have prayer meetings, in, not just in this church, in any church, what happens? If you have a church of 500 people and you say prayer meeting, how many show up? 50? Maybe? But then you say fasting and prayer, bring all your prayer requests, then how many show up? 550 maybe? Why? It's not about the relationship. It's because, oh, maybe if I go there and maybe if I pray and maybe if I write it down, then maybe God will answer me. So what? So, so it has nothing to do with you actually wanting to be in relationship with him. You're, you're still trying to, maybe I can do this. Maybe if I do this, mm -mm. yeah, maybe I'll do this and he'll be happy. Maybe I'll do this and be happy. It's, it's this ongoing pursuit of trying to do something. And God is saying, no, 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 that's not how it is. I already want to have a relationship with you. You don't, you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do all of these things. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to bless you. And in fact, I've blessed you. I want to heal you, and in fact, I've healed you. I want to save you, in fact, I've saved you.
That's the gospel message. And when we get that message, when we truly begin to renew our minds and, and it becomes so deeply ingrained into our lives that it, it, that it seeps out through every area of our life. So whether you go to the office, whether you're at home, whether you're with your in-laws, whether you're with your relatives, whether you're in the apartment, that everyone just sees you living the gospel out in your life. That's what Paul is talking about. And he says, when you truly understand the gospel, it needs to affect every area of your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercies, for your love. We just pray, Father, that in everything that you've called us for, that we would walk into the reality of that in our lives. Lord, we just give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor for what you've done for us. And we simply say thank you today. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the news that is too good to be true, but it is true because it comes from you and you've proved it to us on the cross. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.